You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. You're listening to A Pirate's Life for Me on the Sports Objective. Join us every Friday at noon as we catch up with a member of Pirate Nation. Here's your host, Bubba Rosenbaum. What is going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome back into the Sports Objective and a Pirate's Life for Me, Episode Three. And you know, and, and during these fall months, a lot of our shows will feature you know Pirate fans and then also former Pirate football players. But uh, today we're mixing it up, talking some Pirate softball. And right now, as you see there on the screen for our viewers, I'm very excited to be joined by ECU Hall of Famer Isonette Polonius. Uh, Isonette, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Hey, Baba, thank you. Thanks thanks a lot for having me, for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Always purple and gold. Absolutely. Always purple and gold. And, uh, you know, before we dive into how someone from the Caribbean wound up playing softball at East Carolina University um, back there in the, the mid to late 90s, uh, just tell us about your, you know, your upbringing and your background specifically in the game of softball. Yes, uh, actually, I started playing ball when I was 12 years old. And um, how did I came to ECU? It was uh, the former head coach, Coach Sue Manahan, that was traveling with uh, one of those ministry teams in the summer. And uh, they landed uh, here in Curacao. I'm currently uh, in Curacao, my, my hometown, my home island. And uh, they came by for a couple of games. And at that point, I was a member of the national team. So um, we played against the team that uh, Coach Sue Manahan was uh, managing. And that was my first connection. Uh, She got to see me play. Uh, Didn't have to send any videos or anything like that. And it was always a dream of mine to be able to play college ball in the States. So that was the perfect, uh, perfect timing that I got my chance. She got to see me. She tracked me down a couple of uh, uh, games that we had internationally. And from that point on, um, we kept in touch. And all those, you know, paperwork, transcripts. I was going to the university locally, uh, back then called University of the Netherlands Antilles. So um, after all that was done, I got to transfer as a sophomore to ECU with uh, a partial scholarship. Before that opportunity arose on with Coach Manahan and East Carolina University, just were there other universities and, and colleges in the States that you were considering? No, not at all. Um, you see, normally when we, when we finish high school, depends on which level, usually we from the island, we go to the Netherlands to continue our um, career in, you know, education, whatever we choose, um, that was never a a choice of mine. So I always wanted to go to the States, but I didn't know how. I wasn't really following any any colleges. Um, I just knew that, you know, it was closer to home. The level and intensity was much higher and much better in the States. And um, actually, Coach Sue Manahan, she she dropped like sent by by God, by the man upstairs, because um, I didn't know how. I, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to get there. 
So it was for me, uh, you know, a blessings for her to to come to the island with a team and being the head coach of a of a college program. That was perfect for me. No doubt, it was a, it was a blessing for you, and it's a blessing. Exactly, for, it's, a, it's a blessing for East Carolina softball, to say the least, as we'll talk about uh, here in the next few minutes. But uh, talk about making that transition from. Like you said, the the game wasn't as competitive, of course, there on the island. Um, you know, making that trip to the states and you know, kind of assimilating yourself into the ECU softball program and Division One softball at such a high level. Talk about those changes. Yes, it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy. Um, we do speak uh, here on the island almost four languages, but I mean, English is not my my first language, so. I wasn't fluent in English. Actually, I'm still not. Um, but um, it wasn't easy. It was, you know, your whole life changed. The the, the way um, um, life is in the States, uh, practices, games, um, you know, your physical conditioning. It was, a, it was a transition. It wasn't easy. But, you know, the dedication and um, I was blessed with a talent. Actually, when I got to ECU, I got uh, Coach Tracy Key, which actually was the head coach that I played for during my three years as a student athlete at, uh, at ECU. Um, she wasn't really aware of what I was capable of. So she knew I was coming. Uh, actually, she thought I was from Venezuela instead of from Curacao. So, um, and when I got there, she never saw me play. And I was also injured. So I, I have to tell you, Baba, the first three weeks, they were very tough. But um, fortunately, I got my chance to um, recuperate. I got my chance to play. And once I got on the field, I never went back in the dugout. No doubt. And uh, you, know, you talk about... Um being recruited by Coach Manahan and then playing for Coach Tracy Key, who had yes. so, much, so much success at ECU uh, over a decade plus. Uh, so just talk about getting to know Coach Key, like kind of like you were already uh, referencing. Yes, like I said, you know, she, she, didn't, she didn't know exactly who I was. She didn't at all. She didn't know what I was capable of. Um, and I had, uh, I think I, I had the, my first year, I had about 70% scholarship. So I was eating in her budget and, um, it, it was, it was a strange encounter at the beginning. Um, like I said, I was injured, so I couldn't right away show what I was capable of. Um, it took me about two, two and a half months to be able to, you know, 100%, um, participate with a team. And I, I remember it was an injury of one of my teammates at a time. Um, we used to call her Pebbles. I even remember her nickname. She was playing second base and uh, she was injured during one of our, of our games. And then um, that was the first chance that I got to actually be in a game. And, um, you know, I played my first year, I played second and first base most of it. Because we had, you know, we had a, a senior third baseman. Um, I remember her name was Rhonda Rust. So after she left, then I became uh, pretty much the third baseman of ECU my junior and my senior year. But when I got there, it was tough. It was tough at the beginning. But, um, you know, again, um, as a blessing, 
uh, I got my chance to to show what I could do, and after that, you know, the rest was just a pretty breeze. Talk about some of the memories that you have from early on in your career when you started to get those opportunities to, you know, to get the playing time and show what you could do. Are, are there any specific games that come to mind? Uh, oof, you know, we played a lot of games. I mean, um, like I told you earlier, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a stats girl or, you know, I just play. Um, I remember one time, I think it was against, oh my goodness, I'm not sure if it was against Coastal Carolina. I remember that game that we actually got to win the Big South uh, Conference to be able to go to the NCAA Regionals. That was my last year, uh, 1999, I think. Uh, we got to play in Arizona. Uh, that was a huge game uh, that I remember. And also, I knew I had a game where I had three home runs in that game. And uh, for me, that was also, that was some something special. But, you know, we played so many games and I was just trying to do my best and help my team way, uh, win. So, you know, we had, we had a blast. We had great seasons that, that I know. We, we set records for games played, uh, winning our conference under Coach Key and uh, Jenny Parsons. So um, I know, you know, we worked hard, but we had success as well. I can certainly imagine how it all blurs together, like you said, and without going back and looking at the, the records from those seasons and Pirates having a lot of success. And um, you probably played a, a minimum of 150, probably closer to 180 to 200 games. So Yeah, uh, we played a lot of games. It's not like football or maybe even basketball, you know, where you know, where, where you would be talking, you know, 30 to 70 games. Um, yeah, definitely all blends together. No. Oh, and I remember I remember a tournament that we went um, and it rained, you know, during the weekend. So we actually got to play three or four games on a day like that was also very impressive. Uh, that was my first year. So um, we played a lot of games, but, you know, I had fun. I had fun as a student athlete at ECU. You know, it's, it's pretty much a career being a student athlete because you need to make sure your grades are also <laughs> at par. Otherwise, you know, you're not, not going to be able to do both. So, um, you know, those were, for me, really uh, uh, unforgettable times uh, playing ball at ECU. You know, and um, the whole environment uh, as a college, uh, a student athlete, those were, you know, the best times ever. One of the things that really stands out about your career um, are the eye-popping numbers you put up uh, with the bat, uh, really, really swinging the bat um, with power in both um excuse me, average as well, um, career batting average 415 from 97 to 99. You hit 42 career bombs, and you had 185 runs batted in. So uh, each of those statistics that I just read off, you still rank number one, you know, here uh, nearly 25 years later, which is very impressive. Yes. Um, you know, I've been blessed uh, uh, offensively. You know, uh, quick hands, like they say, you know, and uh, uh, a good uh, hand-eye coordination. Uh, hitting came pretty easy to me. 
to be quite honest. It's, it wasn't something I had to stress out about, you know, seeing the ball and trying to hit it, uh, you know, uh, as hard and um, on the right spot. Um, but, you know, and those things uh, that you just mentioned, the records and the numbers that you just mentioned, uh, they were during the course of only three years. So I, because uh, I came in as a as a sophomore transfer, so normally you get you know four years of eligibility. I got three, so um, you know I, sometimes I do think, uh, sit and think. Imagine if I if I had four years of eligibility, those were probably you know uh, skyrocketed. But um, yes, the, the hitting came just pretty easy to me. I have to say. And I still play, um, you know, I still play softball, like a slow pitch, you know, kind of just entertaining. And um, I still hit bombs. So uh, that's just <laughs> that's just a blessing that I have. And, uh, you know, I've been uh, making sure I, I, I did uh, good deeds with a bat in my hand. Yeah, Pirate Nation, when, we, when uh, Isonet and I were setting up this interview, uh, I asked her, I said, or as soon as she told me she was still playing some slow pitch, I said, and I said, still hitting bombs, right? And without hesitation, absolutely. Yes, yes, that's still happening. It's still happening. <laughs> but, um, you know, b before we move on and talk about, you know, your career as a student, you know, your time at ECU off the field, uh, are there anything, any other memories with your softball career that you might like to mention? Um, you know, like I said, it has been three years at ECU. Um, the one thing um, is the Hall of Fame. You know, that's that's huge. You know, if after three years of playing ball, doing what you like, you know, making sure you you play hard for your school, for your team, uh, um, you know, for your coaches, your teammates, and then you know you get rewarded with the numbers and. Uh, being a member of the Hall of Fame, you know, that's that's the biggest. So, uh, um, you know, I remember, oh, one, one more thing. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, um, you know, NFL, the, the, uh, the American football. When I got there, I didn't know the game, you know. I, I used to know about soccer. So you guys call it football. And I was, I was always wondering why you call it football while – you know, like 90, 95% of the time, the quarterback is throwing it and somebody right. is catching it, you know. But um, once you get there, you just get, you know, it all, it's a part, it's a huge part of college. So I'm a huge fan of NFL right now. And the season just started last Thursday. So, you know, I'm, I'm well aware. So that's also something that stuck with me from, you know, being my time at the, uh, at the States and at ECU. But, yeah, you know, Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame is, is just the top. It's, it's all, you know, you never play with that in mind and, and that's just the top. And, you know, um, before we change topics, I also want to um, send big love and hugs to my host family um, at Greenville. Wow. You know, the first time I got there, I was received by the host family because I was obviously an international student. And, um, you know, big, big hugs to uh, um, uh, 
um, my family there, Francis and um, um, his family that took me in and guided me and, you know, still love me as a, as one of their own. Uh, Pam, you know, love you guys and thank you for being there when I most needed you guys. One of the things I wanted to bring up because of that era in which you played 97 to 99, uh, you talk about going to the East Carolina football games and what a big deal that is. And obviously that it's just as much, if not more the case today, uh, but um, that um, Pirate Nation loves its Pirate football and, you know, all of its athletics teams and uh, really gets behind um, those programs and shows a lot of support, as you've referenced. So um, did you get a chance to know any of the, the football players during those years, like a, like a David Garrard or any of those guys? No, unfortunately, no. You know, when you're – well, at least maybe it was me, but I was, I, I was focused on what I was doing as, you know – being in a software program and then my studies. So, you know, other than that, I wasn't, I was going to the games, but I wasn't really, um, you know, mingling with, with um, other student athletes besides some of the track teams. Right. So um, unfortunately I didn't get to know them on a, on a personal basis, but I was keeping track of them. I'm actually, uh, I've gotten to be uh, fairly good friends with one of the, track coaches, and that's Yudon Cheek. Did you have the chance to get to know Yudon uh, Cheek at all? No, not yeah. at all. I was, no, I was more involved uh, sometimes with the girls. And actually they would, you know, we would talk and uh, they would say hi. They would know my name and I wouldn't know theirs, but, you know, we, we see each other pretty much all the time back there um, before practice. An interesting note about your Hall of Fame induction, uh, was that 2007 or 2009? No, I think that was 2009. Okay. That was 2000, because it's like 10 years after you, you finish uh, your, right. your student-athlete career. Eligible. Exactly. So that was uh, uh, 2009 that I got um, inducted in the Hall of Fame. That was also huge. You know, I got invited there with a ceremony. And, um, you know, that was that was just... Like I said, you don't play ball with that in mind, but if it happens, that's that's the maximum um, for that part of your career. Um, and it was just, you know, a blessing and um, so grateful for uh, Coach Key and all the, you know, administrative members that put my numbers and whatnot together to nominate me, first of all, and then to make sure I was voted in. In a very interesting note, you were the first fast pitch player to ever be inducted. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, like I said, that's huge for me. Um, also, uh, very quickly, you know, before we move on to some other topics uh, after ECU, um, wanted to get your thoughts. You know, you would have loved to have had the chance to play in a, a stadium like this, right? Oh, yes. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> to be quite, I am so jealous of uh, the current players. You know, when I saw how the, you know, how the environment, how the field, what they did with it, you know, with lights and everything. Oh, man, it would have been, a, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. I have to admit, I'm so jealous of uh, uh, the current players right now. So talk about that time after East Carolina, you, you got drafted in a professional softball league 
and then yeah. tell us where your career path went from there. Yes, that was a bittersweet. Uh, um, I was uh, in '99, you know, uh, Durham, Durham Dragons, if I'm not uh, mistaken, drafted me uh, for you know the professional softball league. My issue there was that um, to, in order to play, you know, you needed visa and all that kind of stuff, and I wasn't. I didn't know how to, I wasn't ready for, you know, having to look for lawyers and um, the whole visa process. So in in the time of being drafted, um, number one pick, um, um, I have to admit, um, not being able to play um, for the Durham Dragons, I was contacted via uh, Tracy Key by a Japanese team. So um, that fall, I went all the way to Japan and um, I got the chance to play um, professional softball in Japan. So talk about that experience. That, what a unique opportunity. Of, yes. Uh, not only to play that softball, was, but just experience that culture and you know, see what, what it's about to, uh, to live in Japan. That was, that was another milestone. And talk about cultural shock. I mean, that was that was something else, you know. It's um, to start with the whole trip to get to Japan uh, took almost a whole day, um, you know. So many stops from, and I flew from um, one time all the way from Curacao to Japan because I I went there three times after after that first uh, opportunity, you know. Like you said, different cultures, uh, different people. Fortunately, the game is the same. You know, you have a bat in your hand, you hit, and you feel. So that was the, the one constant and the most important constant that um, um, I, had a, I had a great time in Japan as well. Uh, Fukuyusu Ogaki, I played in Nagoya. Um, wonderful. That was also a milestone for me, um, being able to play professional ball. And actually... I, I did uh, meet um, um, uh, United States players like Lisa Fernandez, I remember, was there playing for a team, Japan team, Toyota. Um, Michelle Smith was also there playing in Japan. So, you know, I got to meet the best in the sport in Japan. You talk about the culture shock. What was it like? Uh, away from the field, you know, when you weren't playing softball in that downtime, what were some uh, needed experiences you were able to have? Um, the biggest cultural shock for me was um, going to a public uh, restroom. You know, I I don't think I can really literally say it all uh, uh, right now, but, you know, we, we are used to a toilet where you can sit on, <laughs> and Japan is yeah. used to a toilet where you have to squat down. So, you know, imagine my shock when you open the restroom door and <laughs> you're not seeing what you used to see. So um, that was one of the biggest ones. But other than that, um, you know, off the field, uh, they make sure I had an apartment where all the amenities were, you know, were what I used to. And then going to the, you know, just to the supermarket to buy some stuff. I I did feel like how, you know, the public, when I walked by or on my bicycle, they kept staring at me a little bit. So, you know, you get there, a uh, you know, a black girl, 
in the middle of all those Japanese people, you know, buying cereal and milk. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I can imagine for them, it's, it's not a sight that they see every day. Right. And so after your experience there in Japan, well, first of all, I mean, how long were you there? I don't think you said. Yeah, every time I went there was for about a month and a half. Okay. Um, I went there three times. I actually, I, my first time to Japan was with the national team of the Netherlands Antilles. We went there for the World Championship of softball that was in Japan. I don't remember the year exactly, but um, that was my first time. And then after that, I went to Japan, um, you know, individually playing professional ball. So um, I think all by all, I was there for four times. But every time playing professional ball, it was about a month, a month and a half of, uh, of games. Besides playing in Japan um, that you've already described, uh, you know, what were some of your other top memories of playing professionally? And then Yeah, I... Well, I used to live in Holland as well. I went to Holland uh, for a short period of time, and um, I played in Holland as well. That was not really professional. I wasn't I wasn't paid, but I I did play in their um, highest uh, highest level, um, Hofklasse they call it um, in in the Netherlands. So I actually um, played some ball there as well. I coached there as well. A youth team. Uh, we became champions of uh, whatever championship we were doing there. That was also a huge milestone for me. Um, I used to live in the city of Rotterdam. And uh, I want to, you know, send a shout out to Eurostars. That was the team that I uh, actually ended up playing for. And also uh, the team um, that I was the head coach of their youth uh, level. So, um, yeah, I played ball in the Netherlands as well. Um, you know, as individual, as individual player. So that's a good segue. Uh, you reference your coaching career. Uh, I know you're still coaching today. Uh, so uh, talk about what made you decide to uh, go into coaching. Was it a combination of things like giving back to the game and then also just continuing to be around the game? Exactly. You know, it's my main thing is giving back, giving back to the game and the, you know, the young players coming up. Um, here locally on the island, um, um, I do have an academy, like a seasonal academy, where I try to to help the young girls that you know do aspire to get to the states, do aspire to play professionally. You know what it might be, trying to give them you know a little bit of taste of you need to work hard, uh, you need to make, you should be able to combine school and softball if you want to go to college. Um, I also had a, a team, uh, I call it squad, where um, some of the members of the uh, former national team that I played with, we got a group of 10 people and, you know, we volunteer our time to the teams of the uh, belonging to the Little League organization here in Curacao. So uh, I'm just trying to give back. Everything I do is pro bono. I don't charge anyone anything. I just want to give back to the game because softball means, meant and still means a lot to me. Um, you know, I got my education via ECU playing ball. Uh, I got my chance to play professional uh, with softball. I got a chance to represent my country in the past with softball. So I want to give back to the sport and to the youth. 
you know, and, um, you know, just letting them know that it doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter how you started, if you put in the work, if you're dedicated, and if you're disciplined, you can reach whatever stars you want to get to. No doubt. That's, that's so awesome to hear um, that you're giving back in that way. Uh, so just talk about, um, you know, give us a thumbnail sketch, uh, uh, someone that has you know, your accolades and, you know, just producing the numbers that you produce with the bat and talk about in, in you know, just a couple minutes, just some of the things that you really emphasize um, to these young ladies when it comes to hitting the softball. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, softball has evolved, um, you know, new things every time. Uh, um, my thing that I stress on, um, especially with hitting is how fast you bring the bat to the ball. You know, that's, that's the one thing I, I, I look for, you know, girls nowadays, they watch TV and uh, college and they see all kinds of stands, you know, open stands, closed stands, you name it. Um, the main thing is no matter how you start in hitting, it's the same thing, no matter where you start, it's the contact point, which is the most important. So that's something I stress and I look for when they swing, you know, trying to help them out with that, how to bring your bat hat faster to the spot where you need to be hitting the ball. And also, you know, it's a, for me, it's a real estate thing um, when it comes to hitting location, 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 you know, you need to see the ball. If it's an inside pitch, you need to be faster. If it's an outside pitch, you need to let the ball travel a little bit more um, over the home plate in order to be able to hit it right and into the right direction. So if a, if a hitter can recognize the, the spot of the pitch, you know, the location, and have a mean to bring the bat hat faster to where the contact point should be, hitting shouldn't be that difficult. And of course, you know, it's a matter of which pitches you decide to swing. You know, sometimes you see a hitter, um, you know, the ball right down the middle, they let it go by, and then they want to swing on a drop ball or a rising ball that's going away from them. You know, so for me, those are the three keys in hitting. Location, you know, the, your choice of pitches to swing on, and how fast you bring the bat hat to the contact point. That's it for me. No doubt um, that you, you hear the term selective aggressiveness, um, you know, being selectively aggressive as a hitter. And that's certainly what you're talking about there. And um, I, I guess that's how you, uh, you hit 415 and also you yes. know, hit, hit for the power that you hit for. Oh, yeah. You know, if they throw you down the middle of your, they throw you, you know, your pitch, because that's also, you know, you know, maybe somebody likes to hit a high pitch or the low pitch. When the pitcher throws your pitch, don't miss it. No doubt. Um, so, you know, outside of softball, you know, tell Pirate Nation what you're up to uh, now in uh, in your native Curacao. Yes, you know, um, I'm sitting right now talking to you. I'm in my office. <laughs> I'm during my lunch break right now. I'm sitting in my office. I'm a financial manager for a, for a company here on the island. Um, and in my free time, like I said, I have my academy. I help the youth uh, that's uh, sport-wise and, um, you know, off the field, I play also still a little bit. Off the field, I like to travel and, you know, just be in a home, 
watching some sports on uh, on ESPN or whatever channel. HGTV is one of my favorite channels as well. Um, but that's that's pretty much what I do right now. Um, and uh, I have I want to mention as well, like uh, a milestone this year, 2022 for me, is that the Little League program, Curacao Little League softball, and also the National Softball Federation, Curacao uh, Softball Bond, has uh, um, nominated me um, during their 2022 championships. So uh, for me this year, that's one of the biggest things to be, you know, honored by both the Little League uh, organization and the National Softball organization dedicating their championship to me. As I'm sure you realized uh, during your time in Greenville on those three years at ECU, um, baseball and softball are absolutely huge in Eastern North Carolina and, and Greenville. And um, as we discussed off the air, um, Greenville is home to the Little League Softball World Series. Yes, yes. This year, that uh, uh, you know, that was, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. And um, um, we as uh, Curacao, we had our junior um, league team and our senior league team go into the World Series uh, in the States. We didn't have a Little League um, category uh, but we were represented both, uh, I think in Delaware was one of them. The other one, I don't remember, but we had a junior league and a senior league of Curacao playing in the World Series uh, in the States this year. And um, I saw that Little League was playing in Greenville. So, you know, even though I couldn't be there, every time I see Greenville, every time I see ECU, I remember um, ECU baseball also made it far in the regionals. So every time I see ECU, purple and gold, you know, it still hit very close home to me. A couple more things for you. Uh, earlier in the conversation, you referenced how you've seen the growth of the game of softball since you played and now as a coach. So just talk about uh, the way you've seen uh, the game grow, you know, both there on the island and you know, the way things uh, have gotten better. And then also – uh, just the game in general, no matter where it's being played. Yes, the game has got has gotten faster. You know, a lot of slappers, uh, lefty slappers nowadays. You know, even though somebody is a righty naturally, you know, if you have speed, uh, you become pretty much automatically you become a slapper. So the game is much faster, quicker uh, than back there. We we also used to have slappers, but nowadays, you know. In a lineup of nine people, pretty much six are lefty slappers and, uh, you know, are hitters. So that's one thing. Um, and that kind of changed as well your defensive strategy, how to defend against uh, uh, that kind of a game. And I have to say, um, right now the bats, they seem of a different, I don't know, different type as well because, you know, the – People are making uh, better bets, I guess. So sometimes, you know, you see a hitter put a half swing on a ball and then the ball pretty much, you know, uh, it's a home run ball. So that's also equipment has also evolved in, uh, in a game of softball. But, you know, pretty much it became quicker. You know, the 60 feet sometimes feels like 40 feet if you're, uh, you know, in, on the defense. But um 
I, I think every, you know, every progress is just huge. You know, you, you keep evolving and you keep finding new ways to defend against a new trend or setting a new trend. You know, I'm, I'm all for being proactive and innovative. And, um, you know, that's what I like about the sport, that you have to constantly be um, on top of your game and all kinds of, you know, tools right now to, you know, for hitting, for fielding, you name it. Um, that, that keeps you on your toes as well as a coach um, to make sure you give your, your girls all the opportunities and possibilities, you know, to, to become a good uh, softball player. Yeah, you talk about the evolution of the game as far as the advancement yes. of the equipment. Um, one of the big changes over the last several years has been uh, technology and uh, you yeah. know, the, the track man technology and, you know, exit velocities off the bat and yes, all, all um, those sorts I, of things. Talk, talk about some of those analytics, if you will. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're there. I use some of them, but I'm not, I'm not 100%, uh, you know, analytics. Um, the game is not played on paper, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes you can, you know, you use the analytics, analytics to kind of try to, you know, and for me, more correct something. But, um, you know, there's there's nothing beating showing and um, repetition, you know. And sometimes if you go by just analytics, um, I remember there was a major league game uh, last year during the playoffs, you know, where they just take a picture out just because analytics says, well, you know, exactly. after the fourth exactly. or fifth inning, you should be changing while the man, you know, the guy is throwing, you know, an awesome game, and then you take him out, and you know, you lose the game. So, um, I, um, you know, I'm glad analytics are here, but um, I'm not, I'm not 100% sold on them, you know. And then, you know, if, for example, if you hit a home run. It doesn't matter if it's 400 feet or 600, it's still one home run, you know? And if there's no one on base, it's still just one run. So, you know, uh, it, it's it's good. I, I, I do um, apply it at times, but I'm not 100% I'm not analytic chick, no. Nope. Totally agree with you there. Um, you know. We may be talking about different games, but I recall a game specifically. I believe it was in the World Series. I, mean, I, think, yes. it was, I think it was a game six situation where you had a team trying to keep their season alive and, uh, you know, win a championship. And the pitcher had only thrown like 75 pitches, and then they, they pull them. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, th those those things, like, like I do like what they, you know – shifting stuff like that because you know you know you're trying to to frame a, a hitter to hit it you know where you want to so you you do your shifting and everything you know those are all data that you have on 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 the opposing team and the opposing players those are all great and you know to use but um you don't i think nowadays we're overusing analytics and you know at the end of the day uh, it's humans who play this game. So um, that's that's my stand on it. And you mentioned that word shift. Uh, that's a 
whole nother conversation uh, that we need a different podcast for on um, talking about outlawing the shift in major league baseball. Hey, uh, in my opinion, that's part of the game. Um, you know, hit, hit the ball the other way. And if they're good enough to execute it, then, you know, yeah. tip your hat to them and, and move on. Exactly. Exactly. But, but, but I'm, I'm all for it. In, in the fans. Yes, 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 yes. I'm all for the new things. I'm all for analytics, but, you know, nothing, no, don't be overdoing it because otherwise, you know, you take away what the actual, the game is actually supposed to be, you know, so. Yeah. No doubt. A final thing I have for you, uh, obviously, East Carolina has a new, uh, well, entering his second year now, Shane Winkler, um, Losing record a season ago, but you saw the progress. It was very evident. Um, so that's the great thing with technology now. Uh, you can keep up with the Pirates from afar. And, you know, if, when you're not too busy, you can, you can check out some games on the Internet and so forth uh, on on the ESPN Plus app and uh, or, or just watch ESPN.com. So just talk about, um, you know, kind of staying in tune with what's going on uh, and doing your best uh, to do that from, from all those miles away? You know, I have to be quite honest. Um, I haven't been uh, doing that lately. I used to do that when uh, Coach Tracy Key was still the head coach because uh, when I left, she stayed there for some, some time. So I used to, you know, I, I used to follow uh, ECU uh, uh, back then and because I still had a contact, uh, you know, a personal and direct contact with her and with uh, Coach Parsons. Um, but once once the, the, the change came, I wasn't that involved anymore. And I went to live in Holland. And, you know, the time, the time zone uh, in Europe um, is quite different from the United States. So that, that kind of, you know, took me a, a little bit away from, really following what, what uh, ECU softball is doing. Um, like I said, you know, last year, I know the baseball team uh, got quite far in the regionals. And when ESPN has ECU um, on the, you know, college football day, I do keep track of them a little bit. But um, I haven't been really, um, you know, that close to the softball program. Um, but, um, you know, like we talked about, uh, um, uh, previously, it's something that I need to be pick up, be picking up again. Well, Isonette, we certainly appreciate all you did for the Pirates and during your time in the Purple and Gold when you guys were winning Big South championships and, and you were being named Big South Player of the Year on uh, multiple occasions. And uh, we really appreciate you being so generous with your time this afternoon. And, you know, when you – some of those – young softball players that you're tutoring there in the islands or uh, maybe elsewhere, uh, you know, just be sure to give coach Winkler a call and uh, make sure that uh, those girls that, you know, hit the ball with power for average or both uh, the way you did um, make sure they're wearing the purple and gold. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, and uh, my Academy, we have also a, a Facebook page, you know, and try to put, you know, pictures and videos of, of the girls you know, trying to help them out as well uh, to get a college, uh, a university, uh, so they can experience, uh, you know, being a student athlete. Um, thank you, Baba, for this chat, the, the, this opportunity, you know, the invitation. Um, it has been a while. 
you know, talking ECU, talking pirates. And uh, like I said, it's always uh, so close to my heart. All the people that, you know, were so supportive, uh, my teammates, my head coaches, you know, um, and we still, you know, social media, I still have contact with, with a lot of them. So uh, thank you for this opportunity to be able to go back to, to ECU Nation. Absolutely. It's, a, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, you know, Pirate Nation, this is a Pirate's life for me, and that is East Carolina softball player and ECU Hall of Famer, Isonette Polonius, uh, coming to us live today uh, from Curacao. Uh, Isonette, again, we appreciate the time, and uh, we look forward to staying in touch, and we'll have you back on down the road maybe to talk some Pirate softball. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, much love to the Pirate Nation. Fire Nation, uh, be sure to subscribe to the Sports Objective YouTube channel. Also follow us and like us on Facebook and subscribe pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. For Isonet Polonius, I'm Bubba Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to A Pirate's Life for me on the Sports Objective. Have a great one, everyone, and as always, go Pirates. The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Yeah, 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 my heart is-